0: This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got C. Lee Smith on the line. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for having me uh, join the show. It's appreciate you and, and your patience to, to get on. So, SalesFuel, what an interesting organization. What are some of the great things you guys do over there?
1: SalesFuel is a sales intelligence or sales research company. So we believe in all types of intelligence to help sales teams sell smarter, sell more. Uh, We started off as a company that uh, provided research services, local business intelligence to uh, media companies and ad agencies for helping their local and small businesses uh, survive and thrive. And that's especially important uh, these days. And that's how we started. And then we realized that, you know, just as importantly, if not more importantly, is that uh, managers needed to have greater intelligence about the type of salespeople that they were hiring and adding to their team. And they also then, once they were on the team, needed to know, have a different set of intelligence than to be able to to develop them into becoming better salespeople.
0: And I know the strong salespeople and the ones that are fumbling around with things and uh, Jim Rome, sports guy. I'm sure you've heard of him before. When he he dabbled in sales, I think for about two weeks in his life, and would tell stories about basically taking business cards from fishbowls at restaurants just to show that he was prospecting. And but he <laughs> it, but he couldn't sell basically anything. So you know he just he you know he, he found a different career vocation. But it, it's it, I as in any other type of role, I, I find that the salespeople are the ones that are trained to sell the right way. And the organization definitely sounds like somebody that really works on that and really helps its customers and marketing and all these things that are intertwined. Because I find, and, and I'd love to get your viewpoint on this. I find oftentimes people try to segment sales away from everything else. And it's, it's an ecosystem. Everything is connected and it flows and, and you notice the organizations that do really well, there's a flow within everything, within sales to marketing to leadership and everything else. So I'd love to get your viewpoint on that.
1: Well, I, I love um, you know some, some of the CEO viewpoints that that basically they're you're either in sales or you're in sales support. So in, in some way, shape, or form, you're in sales if you're dealing with customers, whether it be customer service, you know, whatever. But if you have any touch points with, with, with customers, even if it's marketing, and you never actually talk to anybody like that you're in sales otherwise you're supporting the sales team in some way shape or form doesn't matter whether or not you're on the on the plant floor or you know you're the janitor or you're whatever but it's like that's the kind of viewpoint that that I like because it it really without revenue nothing happens without revenue people don't get paid and there's no really reason for them to show up to work and so that's that comes from sales and so if you're not out there doing it then you have to be supporting the people who are
0: at the time of this recording, we're dealing with COVID-19 and and it's obviously a game changer for all types of industries and the world at large. From a sales point of view, how would a salesperson navigate this? Because there's, and, I, and I'm seeing it with the people that I deal with, I'm seeing a wide variety of reactions when it comes to having discussions about selling a product or service. There are some that are like, you know what, I'm going to push through this business as usual as best we can. Let's do it. And then there's some other organizations that are really paralyzed and they don't want to do anything because they, they're fearful of Mm -hmm. misstepping or spending some revenues that they may need to allocate somewhere else. So, you know, what are some things and techniques that uh, your team uses and, and how you teach people on how to navigate these, you know, out of, normal situations that we're facing
1: clearly what you where you want to end up is right in between those two things i mean you want to if you're doing business as usual that's not going to work you're going to come across as tone deaf caring only about yourself caring only about their money at a time where people's emotions are heightened they're they have real fears not not only about the coronavirus you know and and their health and their family's health And their employees health but also their financial health and so there's you know there's some real fear going on there from the customer's point of view as well and if you try to plow on through that business as usual uh, you're not going to come across as somebody that's actually caring about their well-being or or their business's well-being and that's not going to end well for you Uh, clearly on the other side though uh, you can't be too aggressive. You have to. You have to, and you can't be tone deaf. So you have to change all your marketing. So it's like it's very clear to me those people that you know have their marketing on autopilot. You can look at their social media posts, and you know you can see pictures of you know people not doing the social distancing, and you know things that are not uh, not really speaking to the, the reality of the moment. And I don't believe this is a new normal. I believe this is a temporary normal and that we will get through it eventually we will return to business as normal or as usual but you know as with anything disruptive like this or whatever there will be some changes you know in the landscape of things so my advice to the salespeople out there is you know what you should be doing in this moment in time is what you should have been doing all along which is sales is not selling it's helping and if you go at it with the attitude of I'm I'm here to help this customer, whether it be to you know be empathetic to the, to their unique situation and just just listen to what you know what they're processing and what they're dealing with, or if there's an opportunity to solve some real problems that have popped up, then or if there's an opportunity to help them be innovative because they have to be innovative during times like this, that's what a salesperson should be doing, not selling. Yeah, not, not, not pushing a product, pushing, and, and quite frankly, when we teach salespeople how to sell, you know, we don't teach them how to sell that way. Selling is helping, and selling is personal. And so, you know, it is to connect with somebody on a personal level, not just to understand the problems uh, or the aspirations that the company has, but also to understand then what are the benefits and the consequences then to the buyer, the person that you're sitting across the desk from, or in this case, sitting across the computer screen from.
0: You know, it's golden advice because, and I've always resonated with people when I'm you know, buying a product or service, when the other side of the equation is, is truly engaged in seeking to understand what, you know, my needs are and also, you know, what my potential needs could be. Because oftentimes as a consumer or customer, we don't necessarily know everything that we need. We know we need something, but we don't necessarily know what we need fully. And that's where, uh, salespeople come in and and really help with figuring out what you want to do with something or where you want to go or where you want to take it. Because I could easily say, all right, I'm going in to buy a car, for example, I need this. Well, yeah, you need that. But you know, what's your lifestyle? What do you do? What type of work do you do? Do you drive a lot? Mm -hmm. um, Or is it commuting? Do you have family? Do you have, do you take your friends out? You know for different things you know how many seats do you need you know what you know what do you do when you drive and what's your, your body size I mean everything there's so many factors on it and and i use this analogy it's like a lot of people you know that want to get a pet you know so they get a dog and they don't know anything about dogs at all and they just say well i like this dog well that dog may not be the right dog Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. just like this product may not be but this other service that we offer would be ideal for you based on a through z of the things that that you've shared about, so and again, that's where you see the the superstar salespeople differentiate themselves from somebody that's just saying, "Well, I have to hit this quota of this or that," and they just do it, and it it it, it creates a you know a, a negative experience for everybody involved when they face those types of uh, equations.
1: Yeah, it's it's a matter of are you are you helping the customer, or are you are you peddling a product? And, you know, it's, it's really about you know, asking the right questions at the discovery stage because that gives the salesperson, you know, the leverage they might need to be able to overcome objections at the end or uh, to help reassure them then to, to, to sign on the dotted line if, the, if that's the right thing for them. And it's really important then, too, because as a business owner myself, sometimes you're, you're so immersed in it you know, in your day-to-day business aware that you can't see the forest for the trees. And so it's very helpful then to actually have somebody come in from the outside to, to look at things through a different lens uh, who, who's not emotionally tied to the decisions that you make. And, you know, so so deep into it as you are then to offer then, you know, a, a piece of advice with another set of eyes. And that's really what a good salesperson should be doing for their, for their clients at this moment in time.
0: Where do you see sales in sales professionals going in the next, I'd say 10 to 20 years. And and I say that with, with AI and, mm-hmm. and other things that are available. I mean, there are opportunities, I think for some organizations and I, as much as I like AI and I had uh, Michael Gale uh, from Forbes on not too long ago, and we talked about, you know, the exciting advantages that AI provides, but there's also a cost involved with that in, Sales is a relationship mm-hmm. experience, and that's how I go into those types of discussions, whether I'm purchasing something or I want someone to work with me for some reason and i'm I'm concerned about it, but where do you see things going in the next you know ten to twenty years when it comes to the sales profession as a whole and and you know what people will will be looking for you know in the next you know couple of decades?
1: you know we're already headed in that direction. In the fact that you know a salesperson just can't know their product and show up and be the product expert you know on what they're selling because you know the customer doesn't need you for that they can google that they can ask other people on social media they can you know, they, they don't need you for that they can they can figure that part out even to some extent all the way down to the pricing so What they need you to do, though, is to be able to uh, look at their unique situation or their challenges in and to be able to tell, can you help them solve a problem or achieve a goal using your product? Because your product is not a solution. It's the successful use of your product to solve a problem or achieve a goal. That is a real solution. And so it, it requires a certain level of knowledge. Might AI be able to help with that? Absolutely. There's one thing, though, that that salespeople have as an advantage over computers and the fact that we're human. And so salespeople need to get really comfortable very quickly then with, with being empathetic, with, you know, listening and connecting with somebody to, with the buyer on a personal level. And, you know, and understanding that, you know, and, and really just reminding themselves that they, what they already know, which is they know, salespeople know that sales decisions or buying decisions are made emotionally and then backed up with logic. So if that's the case, then why not connect logically? And being human is is something then that, uh, it's gonna take AI AI a lot longer to catch up with than just being able to provide data and uh, pricing and and things of that nature. Uh, So the buyer doesn't necessarily need you to, for them to purchase the product, they need you to help them understand what they should be purchasing, how much they should be purchasing, and maybe to reassure them that it's a good idea to reassure them, and then to be there for them in case things go wrong.
0: That's a great analogy on that. And I think even going back to the COVID-19 situation, it's going to be interesting to see how people engage with each other because with social isolation and staying away from people and all of that, once this period of time is done and we return to normal, you know, with, with the modifications, like you said, of, of things may be changing a little bit here and there, but I anticipate there may be an element of a revolt against utilizing technology. And I think people will be longing to actually go and engage with, with other mm-hmm. humans on some things and maybe, you know, curtail a bit of the... Uh, the, the looking up and researching instead of saying, okay, I'm looking for this car. Instead, they're going to say, you know what, I've been cooped up for too long. Let's just go to a few dealerships and have some conversations with some people. And I, no, I, 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 see that potentially happening. I'd love to hear your thought on that. I
1: suspect you're probably right about that because I mean, I already see, you know, in my college age kids, you know, who, who aren't in class anymore instead so they're having to do everything online, everything like that. And I noticed in the, you know, that in the evenings or whatever, they're spending a little less time online than they were before. And I noticed with, with with me, you know, when I'm having to do Zoom calls, and I, which I do on a regular basis anyway, but it's like, boy, I really miss being in the office and being able to walk around and talk to people, you know, just to see how they're doing, you know, both professionally and and personally, and see what's going on in their world, and you know, just having some some uh, chit chat then that. Uh, you know, it's even not business related. And I, and I miss that. I really miss going to sporting events, going to hockey games and soccer games. And, you know, it's not football season, but I'll miss that too if it, if it, if it goes into that. I miss, you know, I'm a long distance cyclist. I cycle routinely 60 to 100 miles, you know, normally raising money for cancer research and uh, diabetes research. And, you know, and, I, and we do it as a team. And I have two cycling teams and I really miss cycling with them because right now with the social distancing and stuff, you know, I might get to cycle with one friend and we stay 10 feet apart from each other and it doesn't make for really great conversation. And so I miss that. And, and I can't help but thinking that, that a lot of other people feel that way too.
0: Yeah. That's my sense with things. And I, um, I trust that once this is behind us, that the human race will we'll return to more human type adventures and we'll take things in a little bit more and maybe a little bit slower uh, when it comes to being in the moment and enjoying having dinner with a friend on a patio or going to the bar. And I'm with you. I miss sports like you wouldn't believe. And it's, you know, tossing in, you know, I don't, don't, I've shared this publicly, you know, my, my father passed away three weeks ago Mm -hmm. and and for my brother and I, we both love sports, and sports has been pretty much MIA because of COVID nineteen. So, a normal escape for us, just kind of escape our work days mm-hmm. and life and things like that, is just you know sit down, have a couple adult beverages, and watch a sporting event, and that hasn't been available. So, it's been a really, really interesting time for for many of us. Uh, with you know, hopefully, you know, others haven't experienced tragedies and loss of life but I know a lot of people have and in salespeople and concerns and finances and all of these things and and I'm with you this is temporary uh we will return back to things and we'll we'll be able to do things and my hope is uh, with a little bit more of a human touch than than what we were dealing with up to uh, the COVID nineteen
1: situation and Michael, I, I I fully understand and I feel for you, man, because like you know that uh, my father passed away a year ago, and you know one of the last things that, you know he always took me to baseball games when I was a kid. That was our summer vacation. We would drive to you know three hours to Cincinnati to watch the Reds. You know, of course, this was during the 70s, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, but you know, and my last thing that I did is like I took him to his first Indy five hundred. You know, he's a you know big auto racing guy, but like he's more of a NASCAR guy and. And I was just, I never really, you know, I always watched the Indy 500 on Memorial Day because he made me, but it's like, it (laughs) wasn't anything that I was super excited about. And so I I, I took him to Indy and, uh, you know, that was the last sporting event that he and I got to go to together. And uh, I've been going to Indy every, you know, every year since. And it's like, you know, I'm really missing out that, uh, you know, that got postponed to August this year, but it's like, and I hope it happens in August, but, you know, it's because of me trying to do something good for my dad on, you know, for Father's Day Uh, turns out then that I got hooked on it and and here we go. So that's something that, that, that's a lasting memory that I'll always have. And, um, you know, every, uh, every May, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I know that all the things that we're missing out, March Madness, Indy, um, you know, obviously the, um, you know, My wife it, and I were
1: married on Kentucky Derby Day, so it's yeah, like whatever yeah. that happens, I'm like, I always think, oh, exactly. shoot, it's time. I need to go buy yeah. an anniversary card. Yeah, it's yeah. like
0: r- run over to Hallmark real quick exactly. and get one. You know, that, yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, that one. You know, at least with the anniversaries, they always have those one. But the other one, like Mother's Day and other holidays, yeah, you you, you got to get there quick because otherwise the cards are gone. You're going, hmm. Oh, and
1: they're gonna... picked over, and you can always see the guys there. You know, the, the, oh, yeah. the day before. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: I, I I used to purposely go buy them because I was get the cards early but I go by there and just kind of watch the the, the state of panic it's it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's, so it's a true. Be, it is and yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jealous you got to experience the big red, red machine up close and personal but you know at least at least I grew up in Detroit so at least we got to use Sparky for a bit too so it was all good all good so mm-hmm. I've enjoyed our conversation today where can people find out more about you and this awesome work that you're doing
1: Well, so check out my company website at salesfield.com. We were recognized by Selling Power Magazine as one of the top 10 sales enablement solutions providers in the world uh, by that publication, which is great and really appreciate that. And then also check out my personal website, SealySmith.com. And that's, that's, that was all about me. So if you want to have me come and speak, consult, uh, you know, be a panelist, media expert, Uh, then you know look me up there and I was also recognized by selling power as one of the leading sales consultants for sales coaching in the world and so that was very nice as well and then lastly then I have a book coming out called hire smarter sell more and that is really all about using talent analytics then to identify and hire sales rainmakers and to avoid toxic troublemakers and that's going to be out on Amazon in May of 2020 Awesome. I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So Celie, thanks so much for your, your time
0: today. Appreciate you. Loved our conversation today. Thank you very much, Michael. Loved it. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.